2: This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks, welcome to You Ought to Know, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, well, folks, this is going to be a, a different show than what you would normally hear. You, normally it would be car reviews from Brandon and Christian and, and what have you. But today we're going to be honoring uh, Ron Esau, uh, his uh, Uh, celebration of life is right around the corner and so we've had we we did an hour one a while back and we had so much response of other people that wanted to call in that we had to expand it so we decided to take you ought to know and racer radio and roll it into a, a memorial show we got tom McGrath on the line he's out of town but i knew he didn't want to miss it tom how you doing buddy
3: Pretty good, Dave.
2: How you doing? Not too bad. We've got uh, Becky McBride in the house, along with
3: Uh, my old sidekick. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and you've had a few sidekicks. That's true.
3: Oh, for sure, for sure. But she's a great lady, great yes. lady. Yes,
4: I second that.
2: Without a shadow of a doubt. And you know, it's like I told Becky when I seen her. and We walked in the door. I go, "Wow, it's good seeing you again." But boy, I tell you, it's unfortunate that we're we're having to do you know this memorial for a very fine gentleman, uh, a mentor to a lot of people in the race community. I know, Tom, you, you've been friends with him for as what as long as he's been racing.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, if it, if it wasn't for Esau and uh, his dad, George and Larry, and then the people that when, when you know George Esau, you pretty much know everybody. Yeah, Eventually, you will know everybody. And he always he connected me with the right people when I decided to buy a stock car and try to go out there and go racing with these guys that I used to sit in the sands and, and cheer for or cheer against. And, uh, you know, when you get a race car, it doesn't come with an owner's manual. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I thought it did. Oh, no, no. I mean, I inherited a crew chief uh, by the name of Greg Rasky from, from John Deneen and, and uh, Jim Bridges' racing team. And then, uh, you know, he didn't know everything there was to know. And I fortunately had a pit slab between Bob Baxter and um, uh, Bruce Secord, two of the d- nicest guys and very knowledgeable guys that tried to help me and set me on the straight and narrow, and they go, well, you know what, we ought to get Ronnie over here and have him drive your car, ha- hot lap it, or come out to the track on Saturdays and-, and let him get you dialed in, and sure as hell did, man. And uh, if it wasn't for Ron and-, and a lot of the other guys that were forthcoming with the information – You know, I wouldn't have even been able to turn left.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that was the only way you could go.
3: Exactly.
2: (laughs) That is so cool. Well, I'm so glad you're I Hopefully you can stay for, you know, it's a two-hour show. That's up to you. But, you know, we love having you on. I mean, you've got so many uh, insightful stories. But I'm going to go to Becky for a moment. So, Becky, how how long have you known
5: Ron? Well, we were children in the grandstands, and (laughs) we were both young kids and watching our family's race. He was watching his dad, I was watching my Uncle Al, and we were just probably 12 and 14 or 12 and 15 or even younger, but what was so ironic about our relationship is back then... We couldn't, girls couldn't go in the pits at all. So there was no way I was getting in the pits. And then as far as Ronnie, he was just waiting to get old enough, but he sat with his mom Uh and his grandma and we sat in the stands, which is what so many generations did. We grew up in the grandstands together as small children.
2: Did you have your own Favorite spot where nobody mm-hmm. else the could absolutely. sit. Absolutely.
6: I
5: knew that.
6: I, when she was in here a while back, I remember, she ended up painting them, didn't you? Yeah, painting the
5: grandstands because <laughs> yeah. I had, well, the east side was too rowdy for my family, so my aunt said, we're going to the west side, and the west side was a little bit calmer, and that's where my family sat for years. Yeah.
2: And, and Tom, why was that? Why was the east side crazy and the west side not?
3: There was more beer there. Oh, <laughs> Simple, simply
4: put.
2: That, <laughs> had, that, that might have had – that's right, because there was no beer over on the west side.
3: No.
5: Or if there was, it was a small stand. One snack right. bar compared to three.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and the east side stands were almost twice the size of the west side stand. Yeah. But you had just more people. And you know you what's know?
2: crazy? The wet the east side stand the sun was in your eyes, mm-hmm. and I always thought, well, people over on the west side seem to be a lot smarter mm-hmm. than the ones on the east side because they're not getting the sun blaring them in the eyes,
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I used to refer to them as the West side crazies, you know you know fondly uh, enough, but I said, you guys are sitting on the correct side because yes. the wind was always coming from oh, that direction, yeah. So, Every time some car would go in into the infield and raise up a plume of dust. Oh. Us inside folks were eating it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I'd be announcing and coughing at the same yeah. time. You know that <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, that race was. <laughs>
2: yeah. So yeah. so Becky, so when Ron started driving, where did you become a fan of his? No.
5: Oh, okay. She <laughs> no. Didn't hesitate? No. There no. was no hesitation. No, nope. I was loyal to my family. Um, we had and he race was a competition. Well, he was the competition, but if you remember, and Tom can relate to this, there was a Mason-Dixon line in the pit area. (laughs) So you had the Esau's, the Baxter's, the Witt's. There was a certain group that was on that side of the pit area. Uh And then our whole neighborhood pitted on the other side, which I could see from the west side grandstand uh, so there was the mcbrides the often gardens warren tolls the swinkowskis there was a whole group over there so i could stand up in the very top corner and actually see my family working on the race car no but kidding. they were on the other side of the pit and that was a whole nother deal
6: nothing's changed it sounds like i'm thinking of barona right now oh, nothing you- it's has true. changed it's,
5: it's very territorial <laughs> oh, yeah. and then what was ironic is i became a baxter so uh, then I crossed over.
4: Home, <sighs> Romeo and Juliet.
5: And then the McBrides came over uh, eventually. And our pit stall was dead center in the middle. No. So did you
4: become, you
6: became a Ron fan?
5: No. No. So, <laughs> what? That's twice now. <laughs> no, I became Ron's score because everybody had to have a score. So if you traveled, you had to have a score. Oh, that's right. So while Marsha was with David and they were... In the grandstands, sure. and she was taking care of David. I was able to score for Ronnie, so I started scoring for Ronnie, which was pen and paper, keeping track <laughs> of his lap times, and that was all over. That was Japan. That was all over the West Coast, pretty Japan? much. Well, we went to Japan together. Really? Uh huh. I think it was in '96, uh, and we were actually working on a team with Joe Bean. And again, I went as a score. Uh-huh. Ronnie was a mentor at that time for Joe Bean, and he was um, spotting. Uh-huh. And so when he got a spotting job, he said, well, I know someone that can score. So we were a team with Brendan gone. and, sure. you know, oh, Brendan. Brandon and- Witt. And then you became
6: a fan of runs.
5: No. Well, <laughs> by then we, were, we had traveled so much. We were like family and Marsha and David were family. And we stood in line with Marsha when she was pregnant with David and we're giving her crackers. Aww. And so, you know, and Vi was like our... She was our mentor to our to the girls. Aww. So Tom knows that we all literally grew up together. Well,
2: yeah, it's like family. Yep. Yep. And then, hey, so our next guest is on the line. Uh, Tom, do you know Daniel Smith?
3: Uh, I've heard the name. I don't know him real well, though. All
2: right, so we're going to chat yeah, probably-
3: with... I'll probably regret saying that because yeah. oh, don't you remember me? Yeah, yeah exactly. How dare you?
2: You are the announcer. You're supposed to know everybody <laughs> and their families. I know. Isn't that the craziest part of it? All right. Well, let's take a let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, folks. We've got another hour and forty five minutes of the Ron Esau Memorial right here on FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy.
4: The answer
2: hi folks hey welcome back you know i'm just gonna call it racer radio because that's really what it is is. a two-hour racer radio show right here on fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer all right we're doing a uh, ron esau memorial we have tom McGrath on the line and we got becky mcbride in the house house. and becky who is this wild one you got coming up next
5: (laughs) daniel smith is very notorious for being a car owner and a tough competitor, and he actually was Ronnie's owner in 1983 at Mesa Marin, and they were the car to beat.
2: Really? Daniel, artists. welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to you guys. Well, I tell you what, I know it's this is it'd have been nicer if we could have had Ron sitting in here and we could just reminisce, but unfortunately, it is what it is. But somebody tells me you got a story or two on Ron.
4: <laughs> yeah, we've
0: got a lot of stories, but our time is limited. I understand. the uh, the thing The thing with Ron is, I just want to say and just get it up front. Uh, I really, really like the guy a lot. We uh, I watched him race before, and I I'm a drag racer, so I was drag racing, and uh, my partner he said, Man, "Let's build a circle track car." I said, "Man, I don't know nothing about going in circles, you know." <laughs> so he said, "Let's do it." So we got we built a car, and I didn't know anything about cars; didn't know any, anything at all. And Mason Marin was open, and Ron was driving uh, driving some cars out there. And uh, so, you know, we went out, and we weren't really fast. And, and uh, we, we ran a big block Chevy engine. No one else ran one. And I said, I insisted. I said, we're going to run this engine no matter what. I don't care. I'm going to win with this thing no matter what. And if we're not going to do that, I'm not going to get involved in it. <laughs> so they're a lot heavier about horsepower and whatnot. We watched Ron race. And he was just smooth, and, and uh, I liked it. I liked the way he drove. And so we, we put a couple drivers in here just trying to work the bugs out, getting the engine getting the engine all squared away. And local machine shop here, uh, Hugh Reynolds, he helped us a bunch get through that. But we worked with a bunch of people. I, I was familiar with engines through drag racing. Finally got the thing to run really well. And and Ron had uh, started driving for a, a team. I think they shut down. So I went not talked to him. He said, heck, yes. He said, I'm ready. <laughs> so we put him in it, and uh, we were trying to get, get used to each other and whatnot and, and that thing had so much power that you had to be really smooth on the throttle. And, uh, he was, he was very good and, and controlled. Uh, the, the, we had a lot of learning to do, but we meshed and got it figured out. And I told him, I said, Hey, I don't know where we're going to finish in this race. I don't care. But when I show up at a race, I want to be the fastest cat there. I just want to be fast. So we got to have fast time. So he would qualify and we'd be within the top three or four. So I started a little deal I would reach in, he'd be all strapped in. I said, are you gonna get me that fast time? He goes, Man, I'm gonna try. I'll reach in, I just grabbed him by the tit and just twist as hard as I could. He would just, he would just he would start screaming and yelling, I said, Get me that fast time or well, he finally he said, Yeah, 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 man, let me go. Let him go and we got that fast time.
4: No. In 19,
0: I wanna say this in nineteen eighty uh Eighty-two. We had we lowered the track record at Mason Marin six different times, and he, I didn't have to I didn't have to squeeze him anymore. So. I didn't have to squeeze
2: him anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that okay. would be that's a deterrent. and
4: line,
0: and uh, we run an eighteen. I'm, I'm looking at an old book here. I dug this stuff out. and just going through memory lane, and uh, we run an eighteen sixty-five, and that's uh, we we kept lowering the track record. And the guy to beat those times, I mean, I give credit where credit's due. The guy everybody gauged off of was Jim Thurkettle, nice. and he was a multi-track champion. There are at Mason Wren. So, you know, that, that's kind of where we gazed out. So when you, when you out-qualified him, you had to be fast. So sure. I was really pleased with my performance. And, and so then we, when we came to the new year, we got ready for the um, – it's a Bearsville-California 100. It's an annual deal they had. And the tracks were just absolutely packed. Marion Collins had leased a track out to Dick Steinbeck and Doug Baton, and they were the promoters at that time. So I had a bunch of boys that was out here. We all, they all liked Ronnie, and we all we had we had a lot of fun. Man was in the shop. It was all the last. It's a lot of fun, and we were serious, but we still had a lot of fun. So we got this car fine tuned. We're ready for this race. It's it's a, one of the biggest races there is. And uh, Ronnie, you know, he, he had fa- he had fast time. Excuse me, we had second fast time that time. Mike Skinner, I think, had fast time. Anyway, they started the race. I had the article. I had the article right here. It's out of the California. So they were the ones that uh, were sponsoring the race. So being this a newspaper local, we had a lot of coverage. So the race, as it started, this is the next day after it said, Mesa's greatest spectacle wasn't racing. And it said. so it goes on. It says, all the ingredients for a superb show, a good field of cars, model weather, and packed grandstands were on hand at Mesa Moran Raceway for the season opening of the uh, California and Big California one hundred. The night turned out to be a disaster. <laughs> the usually the usually close trophy dash wasn't close. The the racers were painfully the heat racers were painfully boring. In the main event came forty maps into the event officials tried to send Lakeside's Ron Esau to the back of the pack after a car driven by Mike Skinner spun out as Esau passed him to take the lead. The ensuing altercation on the track and person from the pitch running into the track Trying to punch the starter, and he saw later.
3: Oh my gosh!
6: They
0: the, 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 saw later, park, later parking the car in, the, in front of the starter stand. To argue its case, fueled emotions and fans and the stands, resulting in several fights breaking <laughs> out. Oh, <yeah. laughs> with all with all the extracurricular activity on the track and in the stands, boxing promoter Perishevichov uh-huh. should have been present in attendance to scout for some future talent. Oh my the gosh! Evening, the evening, which had much, much had promised, uh, turned into a promoter's nightmare, and no one knows better than uh, the track promoter, Dick Steinbeck. And he says, it's not a good thing for sports, regardless of what kind of sport it is, said Steinbeck, of the incidents. We try to feature family entertainment, but an unruly crowd can make it unpleasant for everyone. The East saw Skinner altercation, and the ensuing on track ethics divided the fans, and that, along with the sale of 80 kegs of beer, that evening led to many of problems in the grandstands. So, and as far as the, the problems in the stands, Steinbeck wasted little time in making changes. This is after the race. There's another article in that. So tonight, there will be security officers on hand instead of college students hired a week ago.
4: Oh.
0: It says, I'm sure it will be better since Steinbeck with the security. The kids did a good job, but that probably gave the college students a little more than the job they could handle. It might have worked on a nice quiet afternoon in June. The problem on the track, however, was another headache of which Steinbeck had agonized all week long. I don't believe I've had a longer week to try to figure out what did, what went wrong, said Steinbeck. No one is infallible. There are going to be mistakes, and you just hope that if there are in a position where you're the wrong we can carry and to make it right. Steinbeck held discussions with Esau and car owner Daniel Smith and came to an agreement that the team could return to the race tonight. However, Steinbeck said rowdy behavior Will not be tolerated. One thing, uh, most important, is that everybody understands and impressed with the fact that nobody is to leave the pit area, they're, or they're gone. since time back. I've been assured by Daniel Smith and his crew this will not happen again. So uh, that uh, that kind that was a deal. After 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 the race, uh, they basically asked us not to come back, so we, we obliged them not to come back. <laughs> we got a lawsuit. We got a lawsuit uh, from. They sued everyone that we had, all the sponsors and stuff on the deal. Really? Ronnie, my partner, uh, Craig Phillips, and the guys in machine work, Hugh Reynolds, and and everybody. So I just told them, I said, hey, we had this race. We had this race. won. we're going to win the race. The car was extremely fast. And I said, "Uh, you guys, you know, you're the ones that pulled this thing off. I said, so, I mean, I'll say whatever you want me to say, but I I want the money for the win. So they, they made a deal with us. If we behaved ourselves, we could come back. We had our spotter at that time was Ivan Baldwin. And I was telling Becky about him. She knows him very well. And when when this when this thing happened and and Skinner spun, well uh Ivan they never never made contact. They, of course Skinner said we did, but we didn't. They looked at the car, there's no marks on it. So I was screaming for him to park the car uh, sideways on the racetrack and which he did and that's what started the whole thing. But Ivan Ivan was a friend of Ronnie's and we I mean this and then from that point on it was just on and on and on. We just had we just had just had a lot of fun They kind of got us off to a start we had to calm down a little bit So Ronnie just <laughs> he just a real just a real good job we went to Saugus with this big block which I which I was so proud of him we went to Saugus for their uh, for their championship race 100 they had and all the hitters were there. I mean Saugus was a very competitive race track mm-hmm. so we, we get to this racetrack, track and I got this big block in there and we've never been there before I never even seen the track because I, I wasn't a circle racer. So we get to the track. Ronnie goes out there. He cannot get a hold of nothing. I mean, his car would not hook up. It'd just spin the tires. So Jimmy Enslow and a couple of guys come over there, and they're just laughing. They're cracking up, uh, talking to Ronnie. I said, you can't hook this boat anchor up. Just give, me, <laughs> just give me mail. So Ronnie's laughing a little bit. He says, well, he said, I think we'll, we'll get it figured out. They said, no way you're going to figure it out. So they kept one until they pissed me off, and I told them, I said, hey. I said, look, you guys' mouth is moving. So once you put your hand on your wallet, let's dig a little money out. Let's bet on what car's going to have fast time here today. And they said, you're t- almost two seconds off the pace. What's wrong with you? I said, well, take my money. I have it. So I'll, uh, let's just do it. And so they said, well, what do you want to bet? I said, just make it easier. And so just get after it. I said, I'm going to hurry. we got to work on this car. So they said, well, how about 100 I said, how about 200 each? <laughs> so I said, okay. So we bet we bet $200, $200 for who's going to have fast time. I thought this car's going to have fast time against the field. So as they started to walk off, I said, "Hey boys, I said here's the deal. I said if uh, if we don't get fast time, I got my money. If we do have fast time, you better have yours. There are going to be some problems, and I meant it. So as they walked off, they're all laughing and stuff. So we made the change. We pulled back in those days. It was open comp racing, so there's just no rules. I mean, whatever you could come up with is what you ran. So I said, hey, you know, let just we couldn't hook up. I said pull the pull the spring off the right rear shock completely. Don't put a spring on it at all." The car had 70, 70% left side weight and 70% <laughs> yeah. diagonal weight. So it, 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 that's uh, something that to really really made it good. So we pulled the spring off. Just That's all we did was take the spring off the right rear, put it in the in the box. Ronnie went back out there, and he's right on the track record. <laughs> so they came over. All the guys come over. Their eyes are big, and they're tight. I said, what in the hell did you do? Ronnie goes, I don't know. He said, I don't know. They said, damn. He said, that. He said that thing picking the left front tire almost off the ground. It's talking about it, you know. <laughs> and they were all. the "Man, I said uh, you know we were just joking." And that deal come from Tombstone, Uh-oh. you know where he said. And I told him, I said I wasn't. I said so. Make sure you got your money. I said make sure you got your money. So we took in for qualifying. Ronnie got Ronnie got fast time. And I, I was looking at the book there. I'm looking at the book right here. And like I told you before, Jim Thurkill was a guy you had to you had to run out there where you went. He was a force to contend with. So I'm looking at the, the times here, and Ronnie saw Lakeside in a Camaro. He run a 1646. Jim Thurkill of uh, Camarillo, he run a 1648. And then the next cars were in the 1670s. So I mean, there was it was really fast. Ronnie led every lap and won that race. And that's the most thing I was proud of him was that deal, uh, that particular deal, because he had that fast. I didn't have to squeeze his kid or anything. <laughs>
2: Daniel, no I hate to tell you, man, but we're, we've run out of time. But, man, we are going to definitely get you back on radio because uh, Brittany and I do an a hour of called Racer Radio, and we work with the young kids. We work with uh, older drivers. Are you still involved in motorsports? you still working with kids?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we do a little bit of junior late-mall stuff at Madeira. And, uh, I, I mean, late-mall stuff, pro-late-mall, I'm sorry, pro-late-mall stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, if you if you have any drivers, if you have any drivers that could use a little media uh, experience, we are more than happy to uh, have them call in. Uh, Brittany schedules all my uh, stuff. So Becky will get you her information and we're happy to do it because, you know, nowadays driving is one thing, you know, representing your sponsors is another
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Daniel. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to say one last thing. I, sure. I, I mean, Ron was just, just a blast to be with. I miss him dearly. Yeah, yes.
2: I know we all do. And that's why Brittany and I have dedicated two hours today and, uh, Becky, will make sure you get a copy of this, uh, show to add to, uh, all the books you've been staring at. Yeah. Super, super. Appreciate all right. It. Daniel Smith. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ronnie Daniel. Esau's first owner. Thank you. All right, hey, we're going to take a quick break. This is Racer Radio on FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Racer Radio FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. So, hey, Tom, do you know a guy by the name of uh, Kenny Sapper?
3: I certainly do. <laughs>
2: so you got to you, you want to throw a story out there on Kenny before we let him come on air?
3: Absolutely, uh, I. <laughs> I got, to, I got to meet Kenny Sapper, um, well, the first time I met him, and, of course, every time afterwards, was at Frank Denny's Speedway Engineering. And Frank Denny was one of our fiberglass dealers for McGrath Fiberglass, and so every time I'd go up to L.A., guess who helped me unload the truck? It was Kenny Sapper, <laughs> one, of the, one of the best guys up there building chassis for Frank Denny and keeping <laughs> Speedway Engineering up front. And, you know, I was I was glad to see Kenny eventually, instead of just building cars, eventually get behind the wheel and have fun racing them. And he became one hell of a shoe, came down at Cajon Speedway several times yeah. and uh, was a, a very, very respectable race car driver and a hell of a nice guy.
2: Well, hey, Kenny, I couldn't have figured out a better person to introduce you, so I thought you'd All appreciate right. Tom McGrath.
6: I sure do. Very thankful. For the kind words, Tom, it's been a long time. You bet. <laughs> so, so yeah, Kenny,
2: absolutely. I'm sure you knew Ronnie Saw, otherwise you wouldn't be on the line. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So, we're, what we're doing is we're just collecting stories from uh, Ronnie's past of people that mm-hmm. worked with him. So, you're on. What, what, what's, what's some of the fond memories you have of uh, Ronnie? Oh,
6: the, from the very first time I met Ron, we were both young, of course, and I'm working at Speedway. We, I'm the welder and jack-of-all-trades over there, but uh, he was always so confident in his ability, but he was humble about it if a race car driver would be humble.
1: Because <laughs> so, uh,
6: you know, we have to be a little bit on just the side of arrogance because we have to be very, very confident in what we do. But <laughs> he could wheel just about anything. And that's what I admired about him. He wasn't just a an El Cajon guy. He could go anywhere. Yeah. You know, uh when he would come to Saugus, 605, Mesa, uh, and even in, in the Grand National West, of course. But he, whatever he was driving, I just remember him in that number one trick car, most of all. And in, in, in the Lee's iron car, especially there at Riverside, he just did so well in that. He uh what what amazed me is that he could road race and be smooth and he could he could uh be a super sub for somebody that wasn't comfortable at the super speedways he could get into that car and 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 make it roll. Hmm. It was uh really just there was something about his ability
2: well, it was uh, from what everybody that I've talked to, it's a nat. It was like a natural talent. It's, he, yeah. You know, now, this-
6: his bro- his brother Larry was um, amazing as well. I remember when I first started driving, watching his brother clean everybody's clocks at at six oh five Speedway <laughs> in, in in Irwindale there. But what what always he was like the super sub. He could just about do anything. And I, I think the open comp races were his like playground, <laughs> if, if, if you want to call it that, if you know what I mean, Tom. So, uh, if you wanted to win those races and if he was in them, he was one of the guys you had to beat or you weren't going to win. Mm-hmm. Just that simple. Just that simple. And he was always smiling at a challenge. If there was a challenge to be had, he wanted it. But uh, I just remember him and and Thurkettle going at it at Riverside, and I think he came out on top. But there was uh, lot, there was good times and bad times, of course.
2: Well, yeah. Well, the story the story Dan just brought out. I mean, it, mm-hmm. who takes a spring off of a car and throws the driver out there, and he and he, and he, and he, he, he runs fast time. I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. He had a natural talent for sure. If for I- sure. We, we didn't run on a weekly basis ever together. Uh, the only time I ran up with him was in the open comp races, and I don't remember us ever having an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just a hard competitor.
2: Well, that, yeah, that's the other thing I heard, too. I mean, you race him hard, he'll race you hard. Oh, you know?
3: yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. Kenny? That's what we live for. Yeah. Hey, Kenny. Live for those days. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, uh, you mentioned 605 Irwindale, the old mm-hmm. yeah, 605, not the new one, the Toyota Speedway, Correct. whatever Correct. it is. That used yeah. to be yeah. the Esau's playground for sure. <laughs> I went up oh, there yeah. one one week for a race with George and Ronnie and Ronnie was driving that sixty one convertible Pontiac Tempest, the yellow and and blue car, Ford mm-hmm. Camaro. And that mm-hmm. night at, at six oh five, there was the who's who of, of short track racing represented on that track. I mean mm-hmm. there. Joe Rutman and you'll re- you'll never forget this car, the Haddix towing Firebird, that black oh, yeah. Mamba that was at, you know looked like it had a track record just sitting on the trailer. I mean that was a mean machine. And anyways, yeah. they started this race, and I think it was Robinson, Jim Robinson, that that got on the inside of Ronnie and run him up into the crash wall, and he he had to come into the infield and make some repairs, and he was he was just totally pissed off and he started He's on a mission. back to the field and came through that field of all-star drivers i can't remember if he won the race or not but he was the show that night and i think of mm-hmm. the old Mae west uh saying when i'm good i'm good when i'm bad i'm better <laughs> I don't ever yeah. piss Esau off yeah. if you want to want to win a race.
6: That, that's <laughs> absolutely right, and probably Sonny Easley was probably in the mix. And you you're right, if right. and and yeah. like you said, it was a oh, those nights were, or a, you know that were special. We... Yep. Pardon. Go
2: ahead. Pardon. Go ahead, Tom.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a, a hell of a race. And, you know, like, you know, Ronnie was always driving, you know, and had that big smile on his face while he was driving, those little bubble goggles that he used to wear. And, uh, and But he came in, he didn't have that big smile on his face. He was so mad at getting run up and rubbed into the crash wall. He just turned, he, you know, he just turned into an animal. He's like the Hulk turning green, man.
2: <laughs> well... Just like I said, you race him hard, he's going to race you right back hard. And, you know, I That's love right. I love these stories because this, corny as it sounds, this is when racing was racing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it all depended on how you handled yourself on the track. And, Tom, you of all people know that you know, a lot of tracks would literally hire some guy just to be the bad guy.
3: Well,
5: we we never had to hire any of those. We we had a good good share of those. (laughs) We we should have hired him to go away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, well, that was a loaded question, and I just couldn't help myself.
5: (laughs) One thing about racing and the full circle is that when Jim Robinson was very gravely injured at Riverside, I'm sorry, at um, Phoenix, phoenix ronnie Mm -hmm. was the one that the family asked to please go to australia and race the car because the car had been sent over with all the pit equipment in a container it had already been ready and jim got a late call to run a run with your brung race at copper classic but at that time it wasn't sanctioned by anything it was the race that we did and so when jim was hurt the family asked ronnie to wow. go drive Jim Robinson's car and so he went over and raced that car in Australia for the Robinson family. And how he do you he do? Did well. He did well. It was just so bittersweet because just to have the car competing and it gave the family a break, and we were all sitting in the hospital in Phoenix Jeez. you know for weeks and weeks and so it was a uh-huh. it was something that meant a lot to Ronnie to be able to do that for his friend Jim. Wow.
4: Yeah.
6: That was great. That was a great, great effort on Ron's part too.
5: Plus
2: he's never been to Australia.
5: That probably didn't hurt. That's <laughs> yeah,
2: too that's too far away. They got to drag that island a little closer than I'll go to. So yeah. So what are you doing now, Kenny? Well, I'm still uh, running
6: Speedway Engineering uh, with the help of a great crew. Cool. I made a deal with Frank Danny before he passed away that we we'd run it for his family, and we're still doing it. <laughs> so my wife finally retired out of there, but I'm there every day. There you go. Uh, Uh, Putting together the quick changes again and uh, talking on the phone. It's just a place. I've got to go someplace for coffee in the morning, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Tom McGrath has decided to hit the road.
6: You know, I I found some of his old fiberglass the other day. Did you really? I did. I was upstairs rooting around for some stuff, and I come across some fiberglass trunks and i went oh my gosh look at this
2: <laughs> and, and i bet oh. they were still in top-notch condition
6: yeah they're brand new they've <laughs> yeah, they we're brand they're brand new right now we're, you know we've expanded into some street rod stuff and i'm at a a good guy's car show in scottsdale arizona oh right cool uh it's about ready to uh ready to be done but uh it's always a nice uh a nice well i'm not going to say distraction but it's nice to do
2: something different than racing yeah no i, I get it do you do you come down to good guys in delmar
6: Um every once in a while we have all
2: right well if you're coming right. down this year let me know and i'll cuz i have right. I, I might be out there with some television and we'll give you a little bit of airtime
6: time. okay all right I haven't decided yet
2: yeah, it's, I have not decided yet. I don't blame you. It's a little bit of a hike. All right. So now is Kenny staying with us for the next yeah, Kenny's segment? Kenny's
5: going to stay with us to be on the radio with Joey Mancari.
2: You know this guy, Joey Mancari?
5: Oh, Mancare? my gosh.
2: Oh, my gosh. And, Tom, do you know Joey. No, I don't, Dave. Well, guess what? You're going to get edumacated because this is going to be good for everybody in the circle. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're all listening to Racer Radio. This is the Ron Esau Memorial Show. And guess what? Racer Radio will continue on at 3 o'clock for more in-depth conversations with the ron esau fan club right here on fm 96. one am 1170 the answer all right folks welcome back to racer radio this is the ron esau memorial show Brittany sandoval's in the house and so just is
4: listening becky today.
2: mcbride yeah and you're just soaking it up yeah. uh, this is fm 96. one am
5: 1170
2: the answer all right so becky do you want to introduce our next guest
5: well, Joey McCarey was my boss and he survived and we had quite He
4: survived a being wonderful your boss, yeah, he yeah, he survived. Me. he's still
5: alive. <laughs> and um we had some great um great trips all over and I learned a lot from Joey and he and Ronnie had a special friendship and he was looking forward to sharing that.
2: Well that's good.
1: Hey uh, Joey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How's everybody
2: doing? Well, you know, like I said, we hate doing this type of a show, but we just felt it was important, you know, that we dedicated, we've dedicated two hours to uh, Ronnie and, and, and by bringing in guys like you that, uh, you know, have had experience, I got Tom McGrath who was, you know, the announcer at Cajon Speedway actually raced himself, even had a little fiberglass business. He figured as much cars as he tore up, it'd be better if he made all his own stuff. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I just I think he heard I you, Dave. I survived being her
1: boss. Yeah. You know, I, I think understand. I survived I, being her boss. That's I
2: heard that's that. That's what I heard. But, it slipped. By the yeah. way, we also got Kenny uh, Sapper on the line. He says he might know you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I might know Kenny for a few years here. I used to joke around that uh, I used to watch Kenny race when I was a little kid.
4: Oh, snaps! <laughs> Snap! Age man.
1: Yeah. The, the, yeah, I always I always tell this to Kenny. When I introduce him to somebody to him, I'd say that. And while it's partially true, um, I wasn't that young, so uh, I can't give <laughs> yeah. Kenny that hard of a time. But I survived being Becky's boss because Ooh. I would uh, let her vent when she needed to. Oh, she literally be... told me one time over the radio that she wasn't talking to me.
4: Oh, I, I got to so. tell you, I'm not talking to you.
1: Really?
2: That's
5: right. I needed a timeout.
1: Wow. Yeah, she
2: could be tough. I have to agree. She's know.
5: amazing. Oh, yeah.
2: So what was your relationship you know, with Ronnie?
1: My relationship with Ronnie was just being a guy that kind of grew up at first, just like I was with Kenny, being a fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, young guy at a racetrack here in Las Vegas. Um, watching these guys come up from Southern California, you know, Kenny from the L.A. area and and Ronnie from down in the San Diego, El Cajon area, come up here and just, uh, on a lot of occasions, making our local drivers kind of look bad because they come (laughs) up here and really whoop up on them. Uh, And and I got to know these guys through just years of being a huge race fan and a huge fan of of all forms of racing. You know, you you always get these people they are like, I'm a stock car fan, I'm a NASCAR fan, I'm a drag racing fan, I love road racing, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, I like all racing. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the good thing about, about Ronnie is you could actually go and see him at a road course. You could see him at these different racetracks. You know, you'd, you'd go to Riverside, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, Ronnie's in the field for the the cup race. <laughs> and you're like, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it was neat stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, I might get choked up, guys. So don't.
2: Yeah. No, 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 no. We Trust me. Judge.
1: Don't, don't, don't hit the dump button on me. But I, I I'll tell you. You know that I told Becky this a few weeks back. His voice will always be in my head. Yeah. And I'll always see a smile.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, no. And that's why we did this. This is why we've had all these people call in. And I trust me, you're not the first one that's been choked up. Uh, David, uh, he didn't even come in today because he wanted to stay home and sit Seek back and, and actually soak it all in. Because, you know, uh, this is such... Yeah, I wish we would have done this with Ronnie sitting in the studio. That's my only regret. But he's listening. I know he's listening. And, uh, you know, because... He, everybody he touched, it was, you know, it left a, a beautiful memory of a guy that oh, one loved to race. He loved his fellow man. He'd help anybody, you know, mm-hmm. to be competitive. You know, he may not give you all his secrets, but he gave you enough to be competitive enough that where he could beat you.
1: Yeah, I had friends from up here, you know, we'd go race Copper Classic down in Phoenix and. You know, if you were struggling, he was, Ron was one of the first people to come up to you and say, so what do you think the problem is? Yeah. And then he'd, he'd give you a suggestion on what he thought you could do. Um, you know, Kenny was the same way. Whenever we would go down and race at the Orange Show or we'd race over at uh, Saugus and, you know, our local guys were having a hard time, you know, the the, the guys that knew how to run those racetracks were willing to give us um, recommendations and you know and then Ron when I, whenever I'd see him at the Irwindale Speedway, he threatened to be, to come over and become a, a NASCAR official with us, <laughs> and I knew that probably wasn't a path he should follow. Becky's probably the <laughs> the, the best example of a of a true NASCAR official um, and that's just because she keeps her her uh, her personality is such that she keeps everybody in the garage. Uh, from killing each other, <laughs> you know, she she, she mm-hmm. makes sure that we all stay in line. But she also she's she's almost like the therapist for for the NASCAR or now the the Arkham Menards West Series. Right. You know, whenever we would need something or a driver was ha- frustrated, you know the spotters were getting ready to throw punches on the spotter stand. Uh, she would make sure that. Uh, that we calmed down and had a good time. And whenever we would see Ron at the racetrack and he would threaten to become an official, I'd say, Ron, you're a racer, you know, you're a race car driver. Um, you don't want to do this, you know, and I, Becky will probably agree with that.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. She's bobbing her head. No doubt about it. So, so Kenny, so what did you do with uh, Joey? I mean, since he idolized you, well,
6: <laughs> Joey was a young, a young man uh, in the in the garage area and in the grandstands at Craig Road Speedway is,
4: yep.
6: and, and we would go up uh, we would go up there when Saugus wasn't running on a semi regular basis, but it wasn't exactly uh, a cakewalk up there. Those competitors up there, uh, the Jimmy Sandersons and the and the Phil Hayes and and the Ruperts, uh, for crying out loud, those guys were tough. <laughs> but when they'd come down to Sauga uh, on that flat track, you know, it's just, just as flat as a Sears parking lot, you know, they would need some help. And we would we would want to have a good race with them, so we'd help them all we could.
2: Sure. That's amazing. You
6: know, and it, like you say, you, you want, you're not going to tell them everything, but you can <laughs> – when, when we were building chassis from in the early 70s until the mid 80s they were pretty darn competitive about everywhere they went and we had a, a guidebook that we would hand out with the chassis as they left the shop yeah and if you would run it according to that guidebook you'd be in the top of the fast heat race Wow and uh, uh, they were pretty darn easy to pretty darn easy to wheel around
2: yeah so
1: but, uh, so
2: joey you're still involved in motorsports in vegas right
1: i am yeah I've, I've actually i've i've gotten just gotten back to vegas i've been back here for a little over a month oh. um i spent some time after leaving nascar doing rallycross which you know ron came to one of our races at the port of los angeles and, and checked that out and uh, you know rallycross Got really big here for about five years. I even had Becky come over. She was a spotter official. You, uh, you'll have to ask her off air how it felt to be a spotter official with a bunch of Swedes and uh, and Finnish people up in the spotter stand. Uh, the party forgot a hard, to tell a me was no there one was one no spoke language. There. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Becky. <laughs> Becky says you forgot no to no tell her they theory. don't they speak English. Like
1: they didn't speak English.
4: They acted like. Oh, well.
2: I, see. I think it was an act. So, let me ask you this uh, we we've been telling these great stories on Ron and how he's always willing to help. Do you see that in today's motorsports, or are the sponsorships too big and winning is so big that nobody shares anything
1: no we we still see it i think I think some of the other people that are gonna call in you'll you know like dave Reed I think dave Reed's one of those type of guys that will do anything for any race car driver as long as they're helping you know my my now boss here in Vegas, who's been a friend of mine for a lot of years, Craig Q, that owns all the Star Nursery locations here in Nevada, Arizona, and Utah, um, was a car owner in the, the Southwest Tour where Ron was the first champion. And uh, Craig's right now not just supporting uh, one particular driver, but he's also he's supporting all the drivers here at the at the Bullring at the Speedway here uh-huh. in Las Vegas. Awesome. And he actually has me helping with motorsports marketing uh, as part of what I'm doing for him. And I'm reaching out to racetracks that are in the other areas where we race, like Havasu 95 Speedway and uh, Mojave Valley Raceway in Fort Mojave, Arizona, to get involved there, spend some money, buying some signage. So, you know, it's not just the, the helping with the race cars, but it's just the community that helps itself, you know, helps each other inside of it. And uh, we still, we, I think we still see it today, probably not uh, in the extent of when, um, you know, with Ron and, and, and Kenny in the 80s and 90s and the 70s. You know, back in the 90s, I was building a car for, uh, with a, the dad of a young kid up here in Vegas, and I called Kenny and I said, hey, I need a rear end for this uh, hobby stock, super stock car I'm building up here in Vegas. He goes, yeah, what do you want? And I I told him, and I said, what I'm hearing about this thing called uh, putting camber in the rear end. (laughs)
4: He goes, yeah,
1: yeah, it it'd probably help you. And I said, so what do I need? And he goes, well, what are you trying to do? And I said, Kenny, I don't know. You're the expert. (laughs) And that man right there, Kenny Sapper, sent us a rear end housing for this early 70s Camaro. And along with that and some of the other little things that this guy named Tom Bush and I did to this car, we had a pretty good race car. Oh, I think we had a kind of a good driver, too. We had this kid named Kurt Busch driving for us. Uh, that that yeah. might
2: have helped a little bit. All right, buddy. Hey, yeah, but- thank, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your day to call in. Oh, no worries, in.
1: guys. I, just, I feel privileged and honored just to be asked to do this, so thank you very much. It's
2: totally, Absolutely. totally our pleasure. Totally. Kenny, I, I don't think they got you on anymore. Nope. <laughs> But I think we got Joey on one more segment. So, yes. Joey, don't go anywhere. Tom, stick around. You're <laughs> listening to Racer Radio on FM one AM 1170. The answer